Welcome to season four of the Life Giver Podcast, a place for honest conversation and hope that will breathe life into your service, family, and home. This is your host, Corey Weathers, and I'm honored to take this opportunity to invest in you. Welcome to the Life Giver Podcast. This is your host, Corey Weathers. Welcome to the season finale of season four. And other than a Sunday special that's going to come out later this month, I'm really excited about today's guest. I have with me Bernice Castillo from Military Spouse Advocacy Network. And it is a perfect, perfect guest to have to close out season four. And I'm going to tell you why. If you remember at the beginning of season four, we had an episode where we talked about how are we really doing? How are we as military spouses and first responder spouses really doing under the surface? And you guys really came through by filling out the survey that I put out that was about 750 responses, almost 800 responses from spouses who anonymously were trying to give me feedback on not only how they really felt like they were doing with the service lifestyle, but also their thoughts on counseling, whether or not you guys had gone to counseling and whether or not it was helpful. So I think it's a perfect ending to season four to kind of close this loop and talk with Bernice about the importance of mentoring. And that's what Military Spouse Advocacy Network does so well. I'm a huge fan of you, Bernice. Um, you, I met you probably, let's see, it's 2019. So is it four years ago? Four years ago, I met you. And I have to tell everybody, because this is, I know this is not video, this is audio, but I have to tell you guys, Vernice um, is such a calming, humble presence. And I remember 2015 when I met you at the Military Spouse um, of the Year Awards. And I just remember coming up to you and feeling like a like just a deer in headlights and so much anxiety. And I just remember you just talking to me and just calming me. And you may not have been trying to calm me, but I felt calmed by you. <laughs> so that is my first memory of Vernice Castillo. So welcome to the podcast. I'm so glad to have you, my friend. Oh, thank you so much, Corey. You have no idea. I am so excited to be here. And uh, knowing that we're going to be talking about such an amazing topic right now. But, you know, thank you for the kind words. But I can tell you that when I met you, it was amazing. You were like this big light. And I was like, oh, my God, she's just amazing. And every time that I hear you talk is what you give all of us. Uh, you give us that, that peace. You give us that empowerment. So um, every time that I get to talk to you, I always feel the same way, even if it's just a chat to see how we're doing and just to say hi at the end of the conversation. It's like, oh my God, I feel so much better. So (laughs) (laughs) it's great that it's mutual then. So (laughs) (laughs) well, there's, you know, you and I have crossed paths in several different ways. Um, We definitely cross paths with the military spouse um, of the year awards, as far as you being the Air Force Spouse of the Year. Is that 2014? 13. 2013. Um, And you have just grown in influence since then. And Military Spouse Advocacy Advocacy Network has been part of that. We also call it MSAN. Mm -hmm. And it's just grown. And to see you grow this organization has been so impressive. I've learned so much from you and so many other spouses who have everything from um, trying to grow a business to deciding whether or not they should start a nonprofit, um, the importance of networking, have all learned from you. And in fact, you've been brought in several times to do panel discussions on even how do you build a nonprofit and how do you um, do it well. And that's one of the things that I really look up to you about because you have, I've seen you do all, I mean, you've had 
networking opportunities at the White House. You have you go to so many events where there are military spouses because you genuinely care about how they're doing. And that has lent to building this amazing nonprofit that has just grown so much over the years. So maybe we should start off by you sharing with everybody about MSAN, what it does, and kind of the story of how you got it to this point. Yeah, wonderful. Yes. So uh, when I got married, I had a career and I was going to school in the nighttime. Then I had kids and uh, and it was until um, my husband took his first command, which it was like nine years ago. And uh, he told me, you know what? Uh, there's this program at the squadron. It's a key spouse program with, with the Air Force and it's kind of new, but I want to take care of families. Maybe you can help me a little bit. And I tell him, well, you know, I'll help you, but you know, I don't have a lot of time, but I'll just look into it. But that's what I, all, that, all that it took, me looking into what the Kiss Bus program was all about. It was a volunteer that will support the, uh, the squadron families. And I got into it at 100%. I ended up leaving everything that I was doing to volunteer 100%. Um, and it was all full force. We were taking care of families. We were doing some amazing things. Uh, and then uh, in 2013, when I won the Air Force Spouse of the Year, what I was doing, volunteering to mentoring and supporting spouses of the squadron, it became an Air Force an Air Force white thing. And within that year, it was like, okay, how come you don't do it for other branches? How come just the Air Force? And I was like, okay, I, I guess I could do that, but I'm just a volunteer. And one of my mentors told me, maybe it's time for you to do a nonprofit. You need to start a nonprofit. And I said, uh, that's not what I want to do. I am afraid that if I go nonprofit, I'm going to be so busy with documents and regulations that I'm not going to have boots on the ground. And I love to talk to people. I love to help people. So I don't really want to lose that touch. I want to continue to help. And um, and it was uh, my, my mentor gave me a really good advice. And she said, well, it is good that you have the passion and the desire to continue to help. But if your passion is to help others, it's not so much about you and what you want anymore. It's about what others need. And if the need is bigger than your want, then maybe it's time for you to do that nonprofit, bring spouses like you with the same passion, and the outreach and the impact will be even bigger than what you can make on your own. And it was so true. I was like, okay, it's, it's, it's a little crazy, and maybe my passion is big, but if I'm able to bring other people and I turn into it, this into a nonprofit, then maybe the outreach will be even bigger and the impact will be even stronger than what I can do on my own. So I said, okay, let's do it. So we did in 2013, the same year, I created uh, MSAN. And since then, it's been growing and growing because of the team that we have. I've been blessed to have people that not only share the same passion, but they are so dedicated and they are so knowledgeable and they have been there, done that, and they want to they wanna be part of the difference. So they are joining a movement that is making a difference. So it is, it, now that I look back and I was thinking back that, oh my God, it, it, although it was just my passion, my desire, what I wanted to do, if I would have stayed with that mentality of just what I wanted and what I wanted to experience, it was not, I was not going to be able to do what MSAN is doing now. So I am glad I had a mentor for someone to tell me, okay, you need to think outside of the box. It's not like, not just about 
how you feel that is the right thing. Have you considered this and that? So um, everything started, like I said, just looking into what a key spouse program was, into mentoring spouses now uh, around the world, all the branches, National Guard and Reserves. And uh, I am once again being blessed that I was, I am now in a place where um, I am able to talk to brand new spouses, fiancés, significant others at basic training for the Air Force every Thursday. So every Thursday morning, I go to basic training from six in the morning to 10 in the morning, and I get to talk to a lot of spouses, a lot of significant others and fiancés. Um, it has been a great experience, and I'm sure that we'll be able to talk more about this uh, throughout the conversation, but to be able to welcome the 18-year-old kids, uh, kiddos, because I, they can be my kids, uh, to welcome them into our military lifestyle and to our new family. It is amazing to see how they are excited because they're about to see their airmen because they haven't seen them in so many weeks. Uh, they're also afraid because they don't know what's coming next. And I can tell you that I get to talk to spouses and significant others and fiancés who are military brats. And they get to share to me that it's completely different because when they were dependents, mom and dad did it all and they just went along with the flow. Now they have to make decisions and they don't even know where to start because although they know the military as a dependent, it's not the same as a spouse. Uh, we get to talk to people that don't know nothing about the military and their spouse is going to be the very first uh, uh, active duty in the family. So the, the, uh, the experiences are amazing. And uh, I think that there was, a, uh, there was already a plan for me that I was going to be having to get out of my comfort zone and doing something bigger than what I thought I could do. And eventually full circle came back into doing what I love to do, which is talk to people on a regular basis and be able to help not just as an MSAN, but once again, as a mentor. So I love it. <laughs> well, I just want to point out how significant that really is for you to, it's, it's not like you are doing what you did when you were in as a key spouse. This is something yeah. that the Air Force specifically has given you access and the ability to do. Is that correct? Yes, yes. Yeah, I proposed this to, to the Air Force uh, at Lackland Air Force Base, which is the basic training. And I said, look, we have this program. We will love to do it. Uh, they saw the need. They saw that we will be able to fill the gap. And they allowed MSAN to be inside basic training building uh, to be able to talk to all these new spouses. Now we are in the talks because now we're going to start doing the same with other branches. We are about to start expanding to other training installations. And then, of course, we're helping spouses that are getting married that are not going to any training installation, but they see us on Facebook or because a friend is sending them to us. So we're helping from all over the place, but right now the boots in the ground is, is, is basic training, and we're expanding to others. So, so impressive and also so needed. You know, I was actually just reading some research this morning that was um, another military spouse did research on stress levels for military spouses. Mm -hmm. And she was expecting that new spouses um, would have a larger amount of stress or more intense stress than the um, senior, most senior spouses, those that have been in 18, 20 years, that sort of thing. And one of the things that she found was that there really wasn't um, 
it really wasn't what she was expecting. What she actually found was everybody has some level of stress in their life. And perhaps that stress just changes. So here I am, you know, 13 years into the military, you'd think that I would have PCS down and all the emotions that come with it. But the truth is the lifestyle is difficult. And each time you go through something that may be a normal part of the lifestyle, it's just different. And you learn and you grow at different rates, um, different ways each time. So, but I think that you are so on to something on mentoring in that even though this recent PCS was a little bit more challenging for me, that doesn't mean I don't have something to offer that brand new military spouse, right? And so before I kind of get into um, the survey results and some of the things that came through on that, because I really want to know what you think and what you're seeing boots on the ground and what you're hearing from your volunteers is they're mentoring new military spouses. I think your feedback would be really interesting. Um, I really think that you, I, I know you know this, but I just want to say it out loud that mentoring is, um, you're really onto something on that. And this is the reason why when I study the culture, when I study the military spouse culture specifically, um, you know, if you look through the different generations and what's happened over the last, let's say 20 years, you see mm-hmm. a couple things. Number one, I know when I first came in about 2008, 2009, our, what I'm going to call our senior spouses now were the ones that were really in the thick of it. They were really the ones that were mentoring and bringing us in. And back then mm-hmm. mentoring was kind of a thing. You go to yeah. coffees um, and they mentor you. And if you need help during that deployment, there's somebody that's there to take you out to lunch. A a lot of the traditions of the military were really active, or at least somewhat active, and were happening back in that decade. Um, but then what happened is my generation um, got weary because we didn't really necessarily get a break. The tempo was really crazy. Everybody was kind of on a year on, year off kind of deployment cycle. And what I found is that what I'm calling my generation, which would be the mid-senior generation, the mid-seasoned Um, generation of military spouses, I found that we didn't realize that we had achieved some level of, um, of wisdom or mentoring. We didn't realize actually that there is an episode that I did on, um, I think it's called it takes a village or where I talked a little bit about mentoring and, and a little bit of this. So those that are listening, it'd be a great episode for you to go back and listen to. But the point that I'm trying to make is my generation didn't realize that it was our turn to offer something. And so what Mm -hmm. happened was, is we sat at the feet of those seasoned spouses and continued to consume, continued to ask. And that senior generation started moving into a place in life where they were needing to focus on their kids who were being launched out of the home or parents that were aging. And they needed us to take up the baton and start mentoring, but we didn't. We didn't. We just continued to consume. Meanwhile, Mm -hmm. the newest generation of spouses came in, and that was also at the time that Facebook, Twitter, um, even um, Snapchat was not too far after that, launched in about 2012, 2014. Everybody went into their homes our generation went through budget cuts and we got disgruntled and through temper tantrums, right? And so mm-hmm. instead of us reaching down and actually mentoring those new spouses, we kind of pitched a fit. And the senior yeah. spouses are sitting there looking at my generation going, hey, wait a minute, we built it from the ground up. We were mentoring. It's your turn. Why aren't you picking up the baton? But the new spouses were so used to just meeting online, face-to-face mentoring went down. 
it went yeah. down. And that's probably about the time that you came in going, Hey, wait a minute. This is a really big thing that we need. So to yes. sum, sum this kind of segment up of what I'm saying, I am really, really excited about what you're doing. Number one, excited that you pushed through that time, um, those years where mentoring was really struggling and you mm -hmm. saw a need for something that other people maybe were um, thinking that it wasn't as necessary or they were tired or they didn't feel like they could do anymore. You still saw the need for it and you pushed through that because what I'm seeing now is mentoring coming back, at least the need for it. People yes. are tired of being online. They're tired of being um, connected only through messaging and text messages. And people are starting to come out of their homes and those new spouses are realizing that meeting online is not what they really need. They actually need to be part of this lifestyle and part of people who understand. So yes. huge, huge deal. And I'm so excited that mentoring is coming back. So I would love to hear from you. Are you seeing a little bit of an upswing on mentoring coming back a little bit to, um, compared to when you started in 2013? Oh my, yes. Definitely. And you know, the, uh, you just like cover everything exactly the way it is. And I have been able to experience three different stages of uh, me the way when I started, it was all about hanging into uh, the, under the wing of a senior spouse. And then they will kind of mold us into uh, how things were done and how we're going to help you. You know, back then it was a lot of, uh, this is the way it is and we're going to work with it. And if it's not working, we'll find a way within the same bubble. We will make it work. There was no going outside. Uh, then I and then after that, kind of like your generation was more like, well, no, let's ask let's ask questions. And how come things are not being done in a certain way? How come we cannot say nothing? How come we cannot challenge? And it was a challenge ha having to go from staying in your bubble to now getting outside and start making question and questioning people to this new generation that. There was a time when I started in Missayan before I decided to turn this into a nonprofit. I took this idea to a already big established nonprofit and I said, look, here's my idea. Why don't we run with it? Let's work together so that I don't have to start a nonprofit and I will help with it. And they didn't believe in that because they said, oh, it's mentorship. No one really cares for mentorship. It's such an old term. Uh, new spouses don't really care about it. And I was like, well, I really think it's not about if you don't introduce this to someone, they're not going to know it's there. So they're not going to know they need it. So how can we actually make a determination of something that we don't know yet? So when they said no, I said, okay, then I'll do it. Let's make it happen. So... What we do, we have a survey. The new spouse come to us, fill out a survey before they get assigned to a mentor because we want to know what are their needs, how much they know, if they don't know, all of those things. It's giving us great data that is helping us continue to mold the program according to the needs. But we have seen, Corey, is that the new spouses are coming from most of them, from a civilian world into joining our military life. Most of them do not know what this is all about, and they come with fear. They come in from a society that they are used to finding and doing everything online, having it on, your, on their phone. So when they come into the military lifestyle and we introduce them a mentor, not just to ask questions, this is a difference. MSAN is building relationships. We are not just giving them an answer. We are becoming friends, 
our mentors are meeting their mentees for coffee. There was a mentee that actually was PCSing, and she stopped in the middle of the PCS trip just to meet her mentor. And they met like on the road. It was not even at a restaurant. It was just like, let's hug. I need to see you. Have a great trip. So we are building relationships. And I think that's what is making the difference. New spouses are getting a warm welcome. They're getting educated and empowered to not just building relationships, but now they want to do the same thing. They want to give back. So we are, we are turning this into, this is our family. This is what we do for each other. We are going to take care of you. Now we need you to take care of others. So we are getting people involved. We are seeing now an increase of people excited going to their new installation to attend training, classes, hard links, FRG meetings, all of that stuff because we are getting them ready for that. We meet them at the first day when they become spouses. We get them ready. We get them excited. We get them educated. Then we link this new spouse to their future installation. So by the time that they get there, they already have someone to talk to or they have been talking to someone, a key spouse, an FRG, reading a center. So when they get there, it is the same welcome. It's warm and ready to give them the, the opportunities. And that's something that we want. We cannot underestimate the power of new spouses. Yeah, they are new spouses and they're learning the new lifestyle. But we have educated spouses. We have advocates. We have people ready to take on the world and make changes and make this better. So all that they need is an opportunity. So these new spouses get the platform that they need, the foundation of knowledge of the lifestyle, but they're also receiving opportunities to, can, to help us make this lifestyle even better and, and leave it better than the way we found it. You know, the other thing that I'm hearing that this does is that it welcomes these new spouses with positive, really good information. So instead of spouses coming in and hearing how challenging the lifestyle is and how people are struggling with it and whether or not FRGs are effective and, and everybody has an opinion on that or everybody's experience on it, they're getting the right information in a way that is encouraging and exciting and mm -hmm. meant to show them that you have everything that you need to succeed, including the mentors and friendships that they're building, which brings in a whole new generation of spouses with a different attitude and mindset towards the lifestyle, mm -hmm. which I think is so, so important. Yes. Yeah. You know, the, uh, our mentors, we, we select our mentors, they come to us, and believe it or not, we have a wait list of people they want to mentor mm -hmm. uh, and uh, from all the branches, which is amazing uh, to have a wait list of volunteers. But we, like you said earlier, we talk to them in a way that is motivating and exciting. Of course, we don't lie and we don't pretend that everything is perfect, but we want them to understand that the life is going to be, is, is how you make it. If you're going to see that, you know what, it's going to be challenging. We don't lie. It is a challenging lifestyle. But that doesn't mean it's going to be hard or difficult. I mean, if you rely on resources, if you rely on your mentors, if you rely on your neighbors, life is going to be easier because you got people to support you. That if you decide to hate it because it's challenging and you're going to stay in your home and not talk to anybody, of course, it's going to be hard. It's even harder because we're making it that way. Um, I was asked already many times, 
how come I'm not opening the mentorship program to all spouses? Why just the new spouses? And, you know, it would be really hard to do everybody. Uh, I think that we are big and we're making a big difference. But opening it to everybody, uh, I'm afraid that we will end up failing. I would rather focus on one audience that, that it will make an impact. And in three to five years from now, those new spouses are going to be so well educated and empowered that all they're going to be able to do is support others coming in. And I'm hoping that that what we're doing now is going to help that more seasoned spouses, which are the mentors, to actually feel the same empowerment and be able to make changes within. Being a seasoned spouse doesn't mean that we got it all get together. You know, I've been married for almost 20 years and my husband is deployed right now. And I thought this is going to be the easiest deployment. My oldest is almost 19 and I have an almost 13 year old. It's going to be the easiest. It was the hardest one. It was the hardest. So I always tell people, you know, not because we're seasoned spouses doesn't mean that we have it all figured out and everything is perfect. When we talk to new spouses about how they have been able to to be resilient, to overcome anything in their life, in their short life, now becoming a new military spouse. I mean, they're just going to use the techniques they already have. They're going to identify coping. Probably they already have it, but they don't know it. So I'm not a counselor, but I think that that a lot of the things that we do is is around that. I have a social uh, social psychology degree, and I love it. And like I said, I'm not a professional, but I think that a lot of the things that we do is helping new spouses identify what they already have. So good. So good. You know... <laughs> I know that you are kind of honing in on those new spouses and, um, and you can't do it all. And, and I agree. I think that, um, that's the, you know, I, I remember doing another episode where I talked about the importance of, um, staying focused, staying focused on the right mm-hmm. things. And, um, it's so easy to say too many yeses to, to good ideas because they feel yes. good. Like, Yes, it would be good for you to just as um, just as much serving people if you were to take on other spouses that weren't new spouses, and it's a good idea, but it doesn't mean that you should. And I I have to keep telling myself all the time, just because I can, doesn't mean I should, right? Yes. And so I I exactly. love the fact that you are focusing on that one area and being excellent in that one area. And I think I'm hoping that other people are listening to this and going, you know, when was the last time I reached out for a mentor? Because these new spouses mm-hmm. need so much of that um, education and resources and connection. But I think those of us who've been in for a while, it's a matter of just like you said, um, knowing that we have the ability to reach out to a mentor. It's just whether or not we realize that we can motivate ourselves to do that. You know. Yeah. I, I'm laughing as you know, several of these episodes have covered Corey's adjustment to this PCS. But you know, uh, you know, Matt was a part of me changing, you know, turning the corner 
on doing better this time. But I'll tell you the final turn actually came from me reaching out to a mentor. I finally just realized there were some, some questions or some things that I was wrestling with that I couldn't take to my husband because I didn't want him discouraged. It wasn't that I didn't want us to be in the lifestyle anymore. It wasn't that I didn't want him to continue to do an amazing job. It was just, you know, on the strength finder, I'm number 34 adaptability. And after moving every year and a half for the last six to seven years, I was just tired and and stretched from over adapting. And so it was a matter of me not taking, I think there are some things we always need to be transparent and honest with our spouse and not hiding things. No secrets. I agree with that. There are some things I think that we can take to friends and mentors. You know, I get asked the question, should my spouse be my best friend? And I think Um, yes. And right. I think your spouse should be your best friend. And I think that we should also have mentors. We should have, um, like the sisterhood around us or should have other friends, a village that's around us so that we're not taking everything to our spouse. There are times, yeah, there are times during like, let's say a PCS where it does kind of become just your little family moving across the country or everywhere you're going. And you are kind of best friends during that time of adjustment when it's just you guys that know what it's like to go through what you're going through in that moment for your family. And so Uh there's times that I do agree that, you know, even your children become friends, you know, kind of best friends. We're all just kind of going through this crucible together, but it shouldn't stay that way because your spouse can't answer your serving spouse can't exactly answer the needs that you have as a supporting spouse on everything. There's always going to be some level of either disagreement or just not being able to fully understand the dynamics that are at play. They have their own struggle and the things that they're going to struggle with is in this lifestyle. And they're going to need to take that to a battle buddy or another serving member who understands what it's like to go through that. We need that mentoring too. So the fact that I finally just said, okay, I can't take this to Matt any, any further. I'd have to hear the things that Matt has said, said to me as enough. And if there's anything that's left, I really need to go to somebody who can be honest with me, who can challenge me, who can, Mm -hmm. um, help me have a new perspective on the, the last few areas that I needed help on. And it was wonderful, Bernice. It was such a reminder up for me of how we need to have that more often in our life, but also how we need to do that for other people. If I experience this great mentoring experience, then I need to remember that I have that ability to pay that forward to someone else so that I can bring that level of peace to someone else's life who is really struggling and probably shouldn't be taking that to their spouse as well. So, you know, I agree with you. I think these new spouses are going to kind of become those mid-season spouses. And I think they're going to look back and remember what that was like. And it's going to be their turn. And I really do see how it's actually going to change the world. So, okay, I have a question for you. You participated in the Mastering Your Marriage um, through the Chris Kyle Frog Uh Foundation. The best thing ever. (laughs) You and your spouse um, both went through the six months um, through the Chris Kyle Frog Foundation. It's six months of curriculum. But what's really unique about it is that your small group that went through this curriculum for six months, all focused on really working on your marriage and um, diving in a little bit on that. Your small group was made up of not just active duties um, couples, but veteran couples and first responder couples. So I want to yes. get into some of the survey, some of the things that came out in the survey and how we can relate that to mentoring. But considering there were first responder spouses that also 
filled out this survey. I would love mm-hmm. to know from you what your experience was to be an active duty couple and have within your group some level of first responder couples as well. What was that like for you considering your nonprofit focuses so heavily on active duty? Yes, you know, it was amazing. We we became friends with them and we so we were so in touch with them. It was the best thing. Tony and I were the oldest, uh, were active duty, and we were the oldest couple in in the in the group. And uh, I learned so much from from those young spouses in the couples. I mean, we had so much, so much in common. The only difference they were civilians and they were first responders. So we, the stress that we had as spouses, uh, being married to a first responder, was exactly the same thing. The only difference is that my spouse is active duty and he will deploy, but in, in, in not their, their, the other spouses. But the stress was the same. The worries were the same. The struggles at a home as a couple, as parents, were the same thing. So it was, it was amazing to, to get to talk to them. And one of the words that we used during the retreat all the time, it was that we were vulnerable and we were like open heart and we were talking about everything that was going on and, and the fears and the challenges and the everything. And to see how, how everybody was dealing through the same thing at that moment, or we, were, we experienced that before. But once we were all the open heart communication and experiences and stories, it was it was wonderful to see how we had so much in common. And it was not the uniform that was keeping us in common. It was the life experience. It was the situations. It was how we were handling things. That's what it was, everything that we had in common. At, at that moment, we forgot that Tony was the active duty member one. We were focusing on how we were dealing with the same things, the same fears, the same worries, the same everything. And I got to learn so much from from all the other spouses. They were much younger than me, but the way that they were dealing with some things, how they were communicating, how they will like feel better after they were feeling so stressed. So it was to Tony and I as being the best experience that we have ever experienced before, not just for our marriage, but uh, talking to others, feeling safe. You know, it's not easy for an active duty member to feel safe, to open his heart and be vulnerable. And I saw and I heard some things from Tony that I had never heard of in 20 years as learning from others. And and this is going to link something into the mentorship. You know, a mentor doesn't have to be always an older spouse. I learned from a younger spouse so many things. And she became like a mentor because I would be like, oh, my God. Like, yeah, you can be in your 20s and I'm in my 40s. That doesn't mean that I know more than you. I learned still. I still have mentors. And I can tell you that one of my mentors is a younger spouse. And, and, and it's, it's a relationship now where I can come and complain or, or whine about things. It's about someone else seeing my situation outside of the picture, outside of the box, and tell me how probably things are different in the way that I see it. Why? Because of the generation that I grew up with. Well, I know um, you were such a gift to that small group as well. And so I wanted to, in the time that we have left, I really want to, I'm going to stretch your mind here a little bit. It's probably not more than you're used to, 
Um, but I know that I know some of the feedback that I got in the survey wasn't necessarily just for um, brand new spouses, but I have a feeling that you're probably seeing some of this in um, those that are volunteering or just in the culture as you are um, around other military spouses. And so I kind of want to hear from your perspective, your thoughts on just a couple of the things that came out in the survey um, and just kind of hear what your experience is and what you're hearing. Um, maybe even if you have some, some thoughts about it, um, allowing you to kind of be that mentor for everybody as they're listening, maybe as well. And so one of the things that came out in the survey was that, um, and this is for first responders and military spouses on kind of the questions of how are you really doing? And it was all completely anonymous. Um, but Mm -hmm. 46%, I'm going to round that up to 47% of 750 spouses. Okay. So almost 50%, almost half said, Mm -hmm. do you feel today that you have all the support you need to navigate this lifestyle in a way that results in you thriving as an individual? So half said that they didn't. Now I know our first responder community doesn't have as much programming as we do. So that could be a part of this. Um, But you know, another of 14% said they weren't sure. They didn't even know if they had what they needed. So can you maybe, what are your thoughts on that as far as what you see in the spouse culture? Why do you think so many of them don't feel like they have the support that they need? You know, I think that a lot of it, it has to do with not knowing. Uh, Do we have gaps within the support process? the process that we have in the military, definitely we got gaps everywhere and, and not everything is perfect. But if we align the, uh, the resources, the support, and you give them to someone, then it's going to be easier for me to, for them to say, oh yeah, but now I know what's going on. Something that has been happening forever is in new spouses or anyone that joins the military life is that if they come in, they don't have any support until they arrive to the first installation. Mm-hmm. In the meantime, you already lost maybe five, six months of you being a new spouse with no support, no knowledge, no nothing, trying to do it on your own. At that moment, you're going to feel like, well, I don't know much, and there's nothing there for me. When you get to your first installation, most of the time, spouses feel discouraged, uh, resentful, afraid, and now they're dealing with those feelings at home instead of getting out and trying to find out, hey, what are the resources available? Where can I ask for help? What is there available to me and my family? So I feel that what is going on is that the resources are there. It's just there's no link between the spouse and the resource. And it's really, really hard. And to me, in my personal opinion, it is a little bit, a little bit selfish to just assume that the spouse should be the one to go and look for resources, to assume that your active duty spouse is gonna come home and tell you where you need to go to ask for help. First of all, we're new spouses. We're trying to figure out what this is all about. And the active duty member has a priority, learning the new Mm -hmm. job, not taking care of, okay, my spouse, let's sit down and then tell me what you need and I'll find out, you know, that's a perfect world. Sometimes I don't even have time for that. So it is a little bit selfish for everybody to assume the spouses should ask questions, the spouses should come and find out because they are not going to. They are in a new stranger environment where they need to learn. So right now I feel that spouses get the perception that the support is not there, but because they were never linked 
from day one as a new spouse to the resources, to the support system, to having a mentor, to have someone to talk to. So there was never a gap. And that's what we always say. We're feeling a gap from day mm-hmm. one. The new spouse, as soon as they come into our, our family, they have someone to talk to. And we get them under the wing and we take them to the resources. At the same time, we are educating them so that when the time comes, they can be on their feet and take on and not do the same for other spouse. So I get the feeling that that percentage is so high because spouses never receive that mm-hmm. welcome. They never have that first person to talk to and they were never linked up the, the right way into the resources. You know, I think another part of it is that when it comes from a friend, we hear it better, right? So like when we get, I mean, especially in the military, we get inundated. It's oversaturated with the actual amount of resources. Um, I know when I first came in, you know, you'd get forwarded the long email that has everything that's happening on the installation and you just can't take all of that Mm -hmm. in. It doesn't mean there aren't resources. It just means that way that information distribution was happening and the way it continues to happen even now is not really effective. But when it comes with a warm cup of coffee, when it comes with a friendship and and you're going through a tough time and somebody goes, Hey, have you looked into the lending closet over at ACS, right? Have you looked into these different resources that have helped me through a tough time? Then you just see somebody kind of light up and go, Oh, I had no idea. Can you tell me where that is? Can you take me with you? I think, you know, having that just warm handoff makes all the difference. Um, so yeah, I also want to ask you, I think we kind of touched on this already, but I kind of he- want to hear what you have to say. Um, what is the biggest mm-hmm. challenge you have as a military spouse? Pretty much the number, I mean, there was lots of answers, right? Everything from predictability yeah. to um, the relocations um, and obviously deployments, those sort of things. But the number one answer had something to do with loneliness, making friends and having to keep putting yourself out there and just feeling isolated. So I'd love to hear what your thoughts are as a seasoned spouse, seeing the mentoring, I mean, the need for that mentoring. What do you think is going on behind so many military spouses of every season feeling so alone? Yeah. You know, that is a fact. And that is one of the things that we find out in our survey. Uh, it's not the same question, but it gives us the, the, the numbers and, and the responses that we know how they're feeling. So the way that I see it is kind of like when you go to pre-K for the very first time, you walk into the classroom, you don't know anybody. And a lot of the times, not everybody is comfortable in asking questions. You're going to go and sit down in your own little chair and you're going to stay there. It's the same thing that we're seeing right now. The, the new spouses are feeling that way because they have no one to talk to once again. They join this lifestyle. They don't know people most of the time. But they know they're going to move. They don't know where. And when they get there, once again, they already have a period of time where they were trying to find out on their own information. They go to the internet, they go to Google, and they find 10,000 things, and they're not overwhelmed. And in the meantime, they're still not getting responses to their questions. They don't know if they want to live on base or off base. What about if they have kids? Where are they going to live? So, so many of them are relying on social media, which is not exactly, doesn't mean that they're going to get the right answers. So they are getting so overwhelmed because of everything that is happening. But the time they get to their installation, once again, now they're dealing with feelings. They're dealing feelings of, I'm overwhelmed. I don't want to meet people. And though there was no one there to say, welcome to me. So why should I go to training classes? I'm afraid. Uh, I don't know if I can trust them. 
plus all the stigma, all the things that they hear about the military. Don't talk to your first sergeant because it's gonna get your spouse in trouble. Don't talk to officers of spouses because it's not the same. Don't talk to so-and-so. So everything the new spouses hear within, uh, within some Facebook groups and some other people that have experienced something, it's the negativity, like we said earlier. That's why we're trying to change all of that bad into it can be good. We have to make it good. We need to be proactive. And that is the focus of this program. We got to be proactive. We got to make sure that we stay in front of all those feelings, all the, because we're all going to experience it. It's not going to go away. But once you know that they have people to talk to, resources that you know now, kind of like you know your way around it, it's going to be a little bit easier. And you're going to like shake it off and say, hey, I got to make it happen. Then when you don't know, you don't know where to turn. You don't know where to go. Okay. So I have one more question. It's kind of a complicated question, but I have one more that I want. um, I mean, you'll be able to handle it. I know. Um, But one more that I want to set up the question. Okay. Because I I thought this was so interesting. What I found in at the end of this survey was so interesting for me um, or to me. So I, I asked this open-ended question. Okay, so how? what's the first thing that comes to your mind on how you're really doing? Okay, so that was the first uh-huh. question I asked. Um, to which I got pretty much answers like, I'm exhausted, I'm tired, not doing well at all. I got, um, or, I mean, the... I mean, yes, I got some that were like, it's a great season. I'm doing great. Right. But most of them was I'm stressed. I'm not doing okay. I, you know, I feel alone. Um, I'm falling apart. Um, or, you know, a a good majority of them were like, just okay. Like just okay. Right. So interestingly enough, the very next question I asked, do you feel like you have purpose and identity outside your role of being a supporting spouse? So, Mm -hmm. Okay. Again, everybody has just answered, I'm not doing well, right? Uh-huh. But then when they get asked, do you feel like you have a sense of identity and purpose? 64% said yes, that they had purpose. Um, mm. Another 13% said they weren't sure. But I mean, that's a big majority to go, yeah. I'm not doing well, but I have a sense of purpose in my life, right? So you can hear the yeah. contradiction there. So then yep. the third and final question was, how would you describe your purpose and identity? Okay. So this is where it got really interesting because, and I, and I mentioned this in the very first episode of this season, but what was very interesting is a majority of the answers of where spouses, supporting spouses found their identity and purpose was in the role that they played of being a wife or mother and or, right? Yep. Um, so it all centered on what they did for other people. And so Mm -hmm. if you go back to that first question of I'm exhausted, I'm not doing well, right? That um, when I really picked through all the answers and and tried to find the ones that was like, I um, had a lot of joy in my life and I'm doing great. The best that I could figure out is the ones that were really experiencing some level of joy. Because I had the ability to see if somebody said, I'm doing great, right? And I have a sense of identity and purpose. And then that next answer would give me a why. Like, what is it that they're doing? I could pretty much figure out that those that had joy and were doing well in that particular season of their life um, were perhaps a wife and mother, 
but they were doing something outside of that as well. And that's where they were finding that sense of purpose that those that had the sense of purpose in being um, what it was that they were doing in their home for the sake of other people were not doing as well. When they could find a sense of purpose outside of those roles that was perhaps either just for them or serving other people that brought them fulfillment, those were the ones that were really actually doing well. So I kind of want to hear your thoughts on that because I think it's very interesting that so many spouses say they have a sense of purpose and they're really finding it more so in the home, but they're not doing well. Yep. You know, that survey is like 100% accurate. Those numbers are perfect. So the spouses that we get to talk to, uh, I, I can give an example. Thursdays at uh, Lackland. Uh, and I talk to the spouse and I always ask him, so how are you? Who's graduating today? And we start with the conversation. And I can tell you that probably 99% of them, they tell me, oh, I'm so overwhelmed. Oh, I'm so scared. I don't know what to do. I don't know what this is all about. So you already know the feelings ahead of time. Um, my second question is always, what are you going to do? I mean, you're going to PCS. Do you have any, any uh, plans of going back to school? Are you going to work? Uh, do you already have a career? And, and I can tell you that probably 70% of them have no clue. And I always tell them, you know, being a military spouse is not the old concept of you're going to be at home raising kids and just following your spouse's career. Now we have spouses that are very well educated. There are advocates. There are city representatives. There are attorneys. They're doing amazing things because, I mean, being a military spouse is, is, is one of the hats that you wear, but you can wear many others. And I always try to encourage them, what are you gonna do? I mean, if you wanna go to school, we'll help you find scholarships. If you wanna find a job, we're gonna connect you with, the, with partners that we have and they're gonna help you find employment. Do you need certifications? Do you need anything? So we are trying to empower them to know that the mentorship that we offer and the resources that we offer is not to mold them as a military spouse. I don't think there's such thing as molding a military spouse to just follow your spouse's career. I mean, it's, it's part of your life and that's what you're going to do now, but that doesn't stop you or prevent you from being successful in the things that you want to do. And I always tell them, what are your dreams? Since you were a little girl, you wanted to do something. Since you were a little boy, because we get to talk to a lot of male spouses. Since you were a little, a little kid, like why, why, what was your desire to be when you grew up? I mean, now life is going to be a little bit more different than being a civilian, but that doesn't stop you from, from reaching the goals, for having, accomplishing those dreams. So yes, we do see that stigma still, that they feel that because they joined or they got married to an active duty, their life is over. Now they're just going to stay home and have kids and follow their spouse's career. And we're trying to, to let them know that that's not the case. One, because like you said earlier, they're not going to be happy because there's going to be a day that you come and you're sitting down on the sofa and your kids are at school and you're not doing nothing. You're going to wonder, what am I doing with my life? I mean, and, and although we have spouses that volunteer and they do a lot of things, I mean, volunteering is not for everybody. I mean, advocating is not for everybody. So there's so many things that they can do, but they have not given the, uh, the, the support, the empowerment to say, hey, you can continue doing what you're doing. And one of the awesome things that the new spouses are getting with us, uh, we partner with Brittany Bacher. And, you know, she's got her Discover mm -hmm. Your Spark workbook. 
And it is an amazing workbook that helps spouses, not just new spouses, all spouses, uh, identify what's your spark. What is it that you want to do? You find your identity, what you were saying earlier. And that's how we're helping new spouses. While we are mentoring them and providing resources that they need, we give them this workbook so they can find their spark, so they can find who they want to be, because there's no need to stop that. And we know they all have plans, but if you give them that, that extra step to say, hey, you got plans, awesome. Show me your plans and I'll help you get there. And it's easier for them to be like, oh, this is so cool. Yeah, this is what I want to be when I grow up. Then, then saying, well, you know what? It's probably going to be really hard. So don't even try to do things that is not possible. So just think about probably volunteering. Well, that's not the case. I think we have space for everyone and opportunities for everybody. But your survey is 100% accurate. We thought that the new generation wanted to do everything online because they're virtual and because that's not the case. When you talk to them, they still want to see someone. They still want to touch somebody's hand. They still need a hug. So when I get to talk to leaders and uh, and, uh, leadership spouses, and I say, you know, for the longest time, my generation thought, they don't want to talk to us anymore. Let's do everything virtual because that's all they want. That is not true. We are, ex- we are exposing them to something that they're not used mm-hmm. to, and they are liking it. So we got to go back into that, that human being relationship of being able to see someone and touch someone because they're not used to it or because they missed it before or whatever reasons, but it is so needed. And we see the difference. I'm telling you, I mean, to have someone drive during your PCS trip to stop just to meet your mentor, to give them a hug because of how you feel. It is just amazing. Um, the spouses, I have one quick story. I talked to a young spouse. So this young spouse stopped uh, where I was and I, I started asking questions. So are you a new spouse? And she said, well, I'm 17 years old. She was seven months pregnant. She needed to go back home to graduate high school online to give birth to a child. And then in a few months, she was going to move. This child, this, this young lady was so scared and overwhelmed because not only she was becoming a new spouse, she was becoming a mother. And she still had that responsibility to graduate high school because she was 17. So there were so many emotions. There were so many things. And of course, at that moment, my question was not, what do you want to be when, what do you want to be when you grow up? The, the question was, have you enrolled in TRICARE? As soon as you can marry, you got to make sure you enroll in TRICARE and you got to do this and you got to do that in your ID. And it was getting them, getting her ready to become a mother, to make sure that she was going to be set up as a military spouse and make sure she had the resources that she needed. So all these stories are unique, but I can guarantee you that that 17-year-old young lady was not going to get the support that she needed online or Googling or going on a Facebook group. She needed someone to talk to, someone to be with her the entire time until we knew that she was saying to someone else that was going to continue the support. So if we don't help them, Corey, from day one, we are going to see a lot of disappointment, fear, overwhelming, all of those feelings that we're seeing now because if we're not relying on a mentor, if we're not relying on someone else, it is not just our spouse. It's going to be really hard for us to keep it all together because it's a lot. It's a lot to, to deal with. It is. You know, sometimes we just have like three minutes with our spouses to talk because they're so busy, because they're talking about work, because they're deploying. 
that those three minutes that you have with your spouse, you don't want to use them to ask questions related to resources. You just want to talk to them as your spouse, how they're doing. Leave that to a mentor, leave that to a friend, to a resource to ask those questions. Such a great point. And I think you're right. I know you're right about the newest generation. Uh, I'm seeing that so much. And, you know, I just have to say thank you for what you're doing. I'm so proud of you for pushing through mm-hmm. those beginning years of, of, I don't know if you got pushback. I'm guessing that anybody who starts yes. a nonprofit <laughs> or business is going to get pushback from somewhere at some point. That's just part of starting something yeah. new. But I'm so proud of you mm-hmm. for pushing through that and knowing that human touch and human relationships is really what we're built for. And you know, yeah. I look back on my first assignment when there was not a mentoring program. And it was because of senior, not senior necessarily, but there was seasoned spouses who walked me through all of that. And it was, it changed my life. It changed my perspective on this lifestyle because I had people there to point me to those resources that um, sat with me on a bad day, who served me when I needed it the most, and um, whose kids even were just a blessing in my life. And it just taught me something about human beings that I had never experienced before. And I know I've talked about that several times, but when something changes your life, it becomes a sacred space to you that you always look back on and go, that was the moment that I saw Mm -hmm. this lifestyle and saw friends and the importance of community in a completely different way. And now that I find myself here in this new PCS, um, and I am, I'm technically an introvert, and so it's really easy for me to kind of stay inside and, and do whatever I need to do inside. Um, it has been such a blessing for me, more than I even realized, to now be surrounded, even in my neighborhood, with spouses with young children. And I suddenly realized when I got here, I was... I am that spouse that somebody was to me. I now have that opportunity to mentor my neighbors around me and be that person and pay it forward. And how that's kind of a full circle now. My children are the same exact ages as that spouse down the street from me on that first deployment that helped me and served me and mentored me. And I have a choice right now as to whether or not I'm going to step out and choose to mentor somebody else. And maybe I'll just close with this, that my, one of those neighbors said to me a week or two ago, said, you know, well, when I, I found out, Corey, what you do and, and the kind of influence that you have, um, I felt kind of intimidated at first because here I am with a baby and a four-year-old and I just, I'm not going to be that person. I just can't. I can't even get a job right mm-hmm. now. And it was such a great opportunity to encourage that spouse that she is exactly in the season of life that she needs to be in, that she's doing exactly what she yeah. needs to be doing. And that, that can, to give her the freedom to feel fulfilled in that. Because that's exactly what I felt back then mm-hmm. in Colorado in that first assignment with my toddlers, feeling like there was mm-hmm. something more I wanted to do, but I had to get through an initial season of trying to do well with what I had in front of me. And there are days that you just, that's all you can do and that's okay. But to have a mentor say to you, you are exactly where you're supposed to be. And that is okay that you're just taking that next step and you don't have to ask too much more of yourself right now. And my hope is that that encouraged her. But I guess what I'm trying to say is that I was reminded of how fulfilling it actually was to be that person to encourage that spouse because of a place I had already been in. 
So I just want to say how proud I am of you and what you've, what you've, not what you've built because you've had a lot of help to get there. Thanks. So many yes, volunteers. A team effort. Yes. <laughs> but for that vision that you have for the encouragement that you have to all, so many spouses and just who you are as a person. So I wanted to say thank you. And thank you for your mentoring today. I mean, there's even things that you said today that I'm going to kind of walk away with and think on and get in. So why don't we, as we close out, why don't you just share with it, everybody, if they want to get involved, how would they do that? Yeah, so if you want to get involved, if you need a mentor, or if you want to volunteer to become a mentor, just go to our website, militaryspouseadvocacynetwork.com or .org, and uh, uh, you will find all the information of how to request a mentor or how to become a mentor. And there's a lot of information such as what are the requirements, what is it that we're looking for, what is it that we need. This is what we need. We need our own community to make a difference. We need the, the seasoned spouses, the more seasoned, the not so much seasoned. We need everybody to, to help us uh, make the difference. And uh, just go to the website and we will tell you more about it. Help us join the, the effort that we're, that we're trying to make and, and continue to, to make an impact and, and, and leave the military better than what we found it. Bernice, thank you so much for your friendship and thank you for what you're doing. And thanks for joining me for the podcast today. Thank you so much. It was amazing always talking to you. And thank you for allowing me to share the vision and, and, and hopefully inspire others and empower people to not just ask for a mentor, have a mentor uh, and, and give back to our community. Thanks for listening to the Life Giver Podcast. If you're enjoying these conversations as being free of advertising or sponsorship, please help me by spreading the word to other military and first responder families that might benefit from the show. If you'd like to find out more about me or Life Giver, you can find more information at www.coryweathers.com or life-giver.org.